Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. So anyway, let's, let's do this. Before I get into the Word, last week we had a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. And I'm just wondering if there's any testimonies from that time. If anybody wants to testify about what God did in you, spoke to you, spoke through you. Christian mentioned that we do a little bit of work in Latin America as part of our greater family of churches. We actually had Zoom calls at 6 o'clock our time, which would have been 4 o'clock Tijuana time and 9 o'clock Bolivia time. You can see the great span of time that we had to deal with. But we had quite, quite some moments of prayer as well. We had people from probably eight or ten different cities join us. And what I really liked was watching all of our leaders that we've been pouring into, let them just kind of take it. And I could just kind of sit back like a grandfather and just watch everybody just going for it. So we had some real good times of praying. We prayed for Latin America, all of Latin America on Monday night. Tuesday night, we prayed for Pastor Rico Ricafort, who's our mission. I say our he was sent out from the Philippines to Panama, and he did, did the emceeing, the hosting of it anyway, pretty much all in Spanish, which is a big deal, you know, so he's stepping out in Spanish. And on Wednesday, we had, we prayed for our Every Nation Campus minister, Ministries in Latin America. And I was really tickled because I think we had about 110 units online, and then we had some watch parties as well, so we had probably... 150 people, you know, participating in the prayer on Wednesday night. And Thursday, we prayed for Mexico. And then Friday, we prayed for South America. So again, it was a real, you know, good thing for us, I think, just to be a part of something globally. That's kind of my little testimony, what I experienced. Anybody else have a testimony from last week? Pastor Dave, testimony? Well, I'm always ready. You know, that's your job as a pastor, but it's also my joy as a Christian. Um, actually, I had COVID last week. Uh, I'm all the way better, more, actually more than two weeks from the, the, the start of the symptoms, not contagious and all of that, still wearing a mask around just to be careful, double careful. But we still fasted in our way that we could. In, in the middle of that, our whole family kind of isolated. But we had extended times for the word, extended times for prayer. It, there was something good about it. You know, it, it's kind of crazy to say there was something good about COVID, but there was something good about it. So we worshiped with the services all online. And that was a little bit of deja vu. You might not know this, but, you know, for three years or so before moving here, we worshiped with you on, online. I did it originally. And then eventually, as we knew we were coming, the whole family did each Sunday. So it's kind of deja vu that way. But uh, we, we, I, personally, just for me, just a sense of, of merciful, gracious presence from God in the middle of all of that and a sense of his provision and care. It's been a hard year for our family. I mean, if you think about moving teenagers, moving's hard. Moving teenagers, that's like multiplying the hard, times the hard. It's like put an exponent on that. And, uh, but he was just very real and present for me. Um, and then I got to witness uh, through one of my children um, just a wonderful outreach effort in the middle of that. She was well before we were, and she, um, well, I'll just, is it okay? You think I'm okay if I'm sharing some of this? 
So I'll just share. My eldest daughter, uh, Ella, she was, she's, speaks pretty well in Spanish. She speaks with Pastor Philip a lot. And, um, was sharing with a friend of hers um, uh, at, at school who was actually a janitor there. So she befriended the janitor, found out that the janitor's son was in her guitar class, asked why he wasn't there, uh, found out he was um, passing away. He was on his deathbed, 18-year-old boy on his deathbed, which of course broke her heart. So she was trying to do anything she could to reach out to him, invited him to come to our final night of prayer and fasting to pray for healing uh, for his son. He brought a picture of his son. Pastor Philip prayed over that picture. Uh, Pastor Fikri from our church in La Casa, which is a bilingual church, Spanish and English, every service, every sermon. Pastor Fikri was uh, here at Bethel. He's now at La Casa pastoring there. Um, he also reached out to them and, and prayed for them from just on the phone the next morning. The boy had been in something like a coma, was on tubes, woke up after our prayer for healing long enough to engage his family, talk with Pastor Fikri, and accept Christ into his life as his personal Lord and Savior. Just a couple hours before he went to meet his Savior. So, you know, we pray for healing. It doesn't always happen. Any healing we receive in this life is temporary anyway. We know we're all dying. We're mortal. It's not like we're going to dodge that bullet. That's coming. Uh, he got his ultimate healing. And uh, who knows why in God's sovereignty it had to happen this way. I just trust his goodness and his kindness and his mercy as terrifying as it is and terrible as it is and tragic. But this young man got to know the Lord. Because of those fasting and prayer services happening in the middle of the week, if we were waiting for Sunday, he would have passed. Uh, and I do believe that God meets us when we fast and pray. I'm so proud of her, my daughter. Just proud of her, but grateful to the Lord that his timing was right and that our family was faithful. And it was more than just one person reaching out to him. It was a team, not just Bethel, but every nation all together uniting for the sake of that soul. And in my mind, all of heaven is rejoicing. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you. Anybody else, and you don't have to, like, top that testimony. You got a testimony? Come on up. If you've got a testimony about what God has done, yes. Come on up here. God has done in, through, around you. Hi, I'm Aquarius. Um, so about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, and POTS. Some of you guys probably know what it is, some probably don't. It's really rare. Um, only a couple people um, have, have it, honestly. There's no cure. There's no treatment. Um, it was really hard um, just figuring out how to adjust and figuring out how to live day to day with either passing out, wearing a heart monitor, or having to be in a hospital four days a week or five days a week. Um, and having to take a total of 75 pills a week. I am only 26 and it was really difficult. This week, well, on the 6th, um, I got COVID. I'm not sure how, not even worried about that anymore. Um, I was already told that, you know, if I would have gotten COVID earlier, then I more than likely wouldn't have made it because of how rare it is and how weak my immune system is. So I got <clears throat> um, struggled on 
the sixth, which was a Wednesday, and ended up having to go to the hospital on that Thursday. Found out not only did I have COVID, but I also had strep throat as well. Um, and it got to a point where I could no longer take my medicine for my pods and EDS and for my heart to make sure I don't, you know, have a heart attack or make sure I don't pass out. So they didn't give me anything to take for COVID. They just sent me home, um, brushed me out of there. And the thing is that it was actually snowing that day. So it was really difficult to actually get there because no one was going out, no one was coming in. So um, having COVID, doing all of that, then the back pain started, all the symptoms you can imagine. I lost my eyesight. I passed out. I couldn't breathe and I couldn't swallow. So I went home um, after they gave me meds and stuff in the hospital. But a couple days later, it got really bad um, to the point where I didn't know if I was gonna make it or not. And I called Stephanie and put her on a FaceTime while I was at the hospital because I couldn't advocate for myself. I couldn't talk. Um, I couldn't swallow or anything. I ended up having to get a suction because I couldn't swallow anything. And I had to get my meds and things pumped through my IV um, because it was that difficult. And I pretty much at that time begged God to either put me in a coma or to just go ahead and take me out because it was really hard. <clears throat> and I could only imagine what would have happened if I had the other strain of COVID. Because they told me that this one, you know, is really easy to get it. And it's really easy, but it's, it's, it's okay. You're good after five days. I wasn't good after five days. Um, it was really hard. And I didn't know if I was gonna make it. I really didn't. I was in a hospital and I was crying and I didn't know what else to do besides call um, Stephanie so she can advocate for me to my doctors and let them know what was going on because I didn't have the energy, nor could I stay up. And I started getting tremors and every single symptom you can ever imagine, I had it. I lived by myself. So that was, of course, really difficult as well. Um, but in the midst of that, one thing I did realize was I had to figure out where I was gonna go if I was gonna pass. And I started reading um, the book according to Matthews. And it gave me a lot of hope and it gave me a lot of faith on how, you know, God, <clears throat> how this little baby was watched after or after him. Like, he didn't have to do anything, you know? His dad just moved where he needed to go, and he had that faith. And the only thing I could think about is how he was just blessed from the day that he entered this world, even before he entered this world. And I continued to think, like, okay, I'm, I'm blessed, and wherever he wants me to go is where I'm going to go, and I'm going to try to be okay with that. In the midst of it, I was absolutely afraid of death and I was afraid of dying because I didn't know what was going on. And I know my Bible, I've been to church, but I haven't been doing church. 
And it didn't hit me until I didn't know where I was gonna go. So I started reading and things started to feel a lot better. Um, but then the strep throat kicked in. Um, and I kept it a secret from a couple of people that I had it, not to be, cause I was ashamed or anything, but literally because I don't know. I didn't want anyone to be worried because I already have all those other things going on. And whenever I speak, or even if I cough or, or something happens, someone's afraid that I'm gonna pass out or I'm not gonna be okay. So I try to say as little as possible regarding my health. <clears throat> but I literally finally opened up about it and asked a couple people to pray for me. And I can definitely tell that they did. And a couple of days later, I had to get tested for COVID again and I didn't have COVID anymore. And I didn't have strep throat anymore. They let me know that <clears throat> this journey um, isn't over. <laughs> COVID has some lingering symptoms that just seems to not want to go away. Um, so I actually had to go to the doctor today because it was lasting a lot longer than what it should and they was afraid I was going to have pneumonia. But the beautiful thing within it all is that I do have my um, inhaler. They did give me some medicine to help my throat and help the other things that's gonna come along with it. Um, and I'm no longer afraid of the outcome because I see where I came from and how hard it was to where I am right now. And I truly just thank God. I'm not at a point where I can say I'm grateful for that journey because I absolutely am not right now. I won't, I'm not gonna lie to you as I am because it was really painful, so I'm not grateful for it just yet. But I'm sure once I continue to do life, I'll look back and I'll see some things that I'll learn and experience throughout the situation that made me better. But in the meantime, I'm just really grateful for those um, who are at this church who loved on me, brought food, prayed for me. And I'm also just grateful to God for giving me the experience to learn more about him through this situation. So, yeah. Very good. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here today. Looking, she's looking a whole lot better than what she was describing. So I'm glad that, you know, we have a, a living Savior. He is alive today. Amen. Anybody else, any other testimonies, especially about the prayer and fasting time? Anything God spoke to you, did through you, around you? Anything like that? If not, we're going to get into the word. LJ, Laura Jean. Brief and amazing, Pastor Philip. Brief and amazing. It's amazing. Okay. God dealt with my humility. Can't you see that? <laughs> okay. So um, I've been walking with the Lord now about 20 years, um, true lordship, and have gone through this prayer and fasting numerous years. And I, not I think, I know without a doubt that this one was the most powerful. I was obedient with the fasting. I had my little notes. I was prepared coming into it, and that's huge. So for all of you out there, that's a lesson. If you want to get, if you're expectant for answers and you want something, you've got to do a little homework first. Um, what I realized through it all, through each day, each video, each exhortation, each prayer night, I made 12 out of the 15 in person. I used to beg God for prayers. I begged God for a lot of stuff. And in breaking down each day of his, of his light, of the seed, whatever, 
I was praying, but I, I wasn't actually even believing in a lot of the prayers that I was saying because I, I constantly had to beg. Why would I have to beg if I believed? And I'm on staff here. I mean, I am going to be humble, okay? And what he really did show me was that I got permission and that I could finally, literally, rest in his word, rest in those promises. But to know what those promises are, you got to be in the word, okay? But I was in the word a lot, but it's just sometimes how it can be blocked and how your interpretations can be different. And I know Pastor Dave shared all the years, all the sermons that he has done. You can look at that same passage over and over and over again, but finally the light goes on. So um, for me, this was extremely powerful. Some other amazing things have happened. Pastor Philip, a few other people know about a young lady that kind of came into my life in the midst of this. I had COVID at Christmas. Um, so anyway, there'll be more to come, but I'm just thankful and grateful. Very good. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm just kind of looking around, just pausing just a minute, but let's get into the word. All right. Is that all right? We're in a season of abiding. I think Pastor Rice kind of set the tone for the year on the first message. I think it was on the 2nd of January. Just a, even a, he didn't use the word challenge, but a consideration. Would you consider reading the Bible, reading the New Testament specifically every month? Like the whole thing. Like if you read eight or ten chapters a day, you can go through the New Testament in a month. And I've, I've taken that on, you know, and I've, I've you know, be, beyond, you know, other scriptures and just even in preparation for this, this time here. And, you know, if you abide in my word, John said in, in, Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, then you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think we've got some of these some of these up there. So just looking at the, the, the power and the beauty of God's word, I think one of the, the main scriptures, at least that I've taken hold of, is John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. It's like our, our desires, our asking gets in line with God's word. It almost sounds like a blank check. Ask whatever you want. But the condition is, if you abide in my word, and then, you, then your petitions will be aligned with his, with his will, with his word. And then also in 1 John, this is the Apostle John, kind of that, that grandfather type person. I write to you young men because you're strong. I'd like to see those, you know, the young men that are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And I think if we're going to overcome the evil one, I mean, the evil one is going to come after you. You know, don't think that if you ignore him, he's going to ignore you. We are in spiritual warfare, whether you like it or not. And the real question is, will you abide in the word in such a way that when the day of evil comes, that word will be in you, that word will come out of your mouth, you, and you'll be able to overcome the evil one. Well, I think we are called to be in this world, not of this world. We're called to overcome the evil one. No temptation has overtaken us that's not common to men and women. God is faithful, will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to, to resist. And with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape. 
And so we will be tempted. We will be, you know, I'm not looking for more. I'm just, and I'm not trying to prophesy death and, you know, it's going to be terrible. I'm just allowing you to know and reminding us that, yes, so if we abide in the word, we can be like the Apostle John said to those young men, young women. You are strong. The reason you're strong is not strong in yourself. It's strong because the word abides in you. Amen. That was just to kind of set the ground for what I want to get into. I want to get into John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and it should be on the screen. Hopefully, for those watching online as well, we're glad that you're there too. We hope that you're strong in the Lord. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. <clears throat> Let me just pause just for a second here. That Passover, that was an annual feast, remembering when they came out of Egypt. And I believe this would have been the second of three Passovers during Jesus' earthly ministry. The first one you could read about in John chapter 2, where he changes the water into wine. This the second one, and then the third one would have been towards the end of his ministry. He was actually the Passover lamb with the last supper. That was a Passover supper. And I think he's kind of almost transitioning from moments of great popularity into times of when he says something, some things in this very chapter. He's going to say some things that will cause his disciples just to walk away. So it's kind of that transition between this, everybody wants to see him because of the signs that he does, but then he's got to really kind of define himself and let people know who he really is, what he's called to do. Anyway, I just give that kind of a little interjection. Lifting up his eyes then, seeing that a large crowd, a large popular, large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? And so he just kind of throws it out there, just kind of, a, you know, an impossible. You can kind of see Jesus is, is almost setting this up. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So you can see that. And Philip answered, 200 denarii. Denarii, that was the salary for one day, so this would have been about a year's worth of of wages. You know, in our day, just think about a salary, what it would cost, it's just a humongous amount. That would not be enough for each one of them to get just a little bit, much less to satisfy them. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the, people, have the people sit down. There was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. That was the men, women, and children. Some say it might be 20, 25,000 people altogether. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And that's quite a different. Let's go back to that verse 11, I think it was. He took the loaves. He's... he's he, that's another, just a whole other lesson. He took the loaves. He did that at the communion. He did that after he was raised from the dead, too. He gave thanks, broke them, distributed them as much as they wanted. That's quite a different as well from each one to get just a little bit, as much as they wanted. That's like a Thanksgiving meal where you just, you got, you got enough. 
a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I was, I was sharing. It's like you can't talk about food during praying and fasting, but I want to talk about food today a little bit. <laughs> okay. As much as they wanted. Verse 12. And so when they had eaten their fill, again, that's contrast, even contrasted with just a little bit. He told his disciples, go gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. They just love it. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who had come into the world. They had been waiting. The people of Israel had been waiting. There's a prophet coming. Even Moses had prophesied, there'll be one like me, a prophet. When he comes, pay attention to him, obey him. And so they've had this, the Jewish people have had this in their mind, there's a prophet coming, there's a prophet coming. And even they asked John the Baptist, are you the one to come? Are you the prophet? And John had to tell them, no, I'm not. There's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal, but he's coming. And then verse 15, this will be the last one we read kind of in this section. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless it, bless everyone watching online, bless everyone that's here as well. Help us to understand and to draw closer to you and even to, to have a desire to abide in your word in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. So what were the people looking for during that time? And I'm sure there were many things, but what I've seen in this, I've seen, I see about three things that they were kind of looking for. First of all, it says they, were, they saw Jesus, they saw the signs that he was doing. A large crowd gathered, they've seen all these signs that he was doing on the sick. You know, it's like this, almost like you, you get this idea, if it was in our context, it would be, who can give us the greatest, the greatest kind of show? We want to see this, you know, the Titans playing this, this, I guess it's on Saturday, you know, we're going to put our best product on the field. So one of the players said one time, we're going to go out there, we've got this product of NFL, we've got this... You know, so the, you know, Hollywood has a product, and all of a sudden, you know, he, they, they're seeing these. Hate to bring Jesus down to that level, but at the same time, in our mentality, it's like, can Jesus be the one that would, in a sense, entertain me? Can he be the one that would, that would give me a, a, a moment of, of attraction like that? So they, the people are looking for the signs. And then, and then it, says, it says, Jesus perceived that they wanted to make him king. So he, they're looking for a king. They're looking for somebody. You know, the prophet had been, there's going to be a prophet coming. They're looking for a king. They're looking for somebody that would take off the Roman rule, like a David type of military leader, a Moses type of military leader. Even in Acts chapter 1, when they asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? It was really a political question. Are you going to be the king? Are you going to be the one that's going to deliver us? Like a lot of times we're looking, people are looking. I'm not going to say us here in this building, but a lot of us, a lot of people, and not just in this country, but in other countries, are looking for political leaders to be, in a sense, the one that would rescue them. You rescue us from COVID, rescue us from the economic crisis, rescue us from the corruption, rescue us. You know, so they're coming in Jesus' time. They're going to make him king. You know, we, we, wanna, we want you to, of course, you know, we're, we're, we've, they're looking, they, they ain't well. You know, yeah, we're looking for somebody that would give us a handout. 
Of course he should be our king. He can give us this handout. Of course he should. Now you can see what people are looking for at that time and people looking for the same thing at this time, looking for a handout, looking for somebody to deliver them from their external problems. Are you going to are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In Acts chapter 1, he says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. And so he did, but he didn't answer the question. Maybe God doesn't always re relieve us, re uh, deliver us from these external problems, but he deals with our heart. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. There'll be a work in you in such a way that you'll be a light that other people will be attracted to. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself because let's look at, let's look at Jesus. What does he do? What does he, who is this Jesus that we're talking about? What does he do? What does he say about himself? And one of the first things that really kind of caught my eye is that when he, they want to make him king, what does he do? He withdraws. He withdraws. He's not going to be that, that God of the genie in the bottle that's going to be at our beck and command that we can just ask him at any time for anything. Hey, can you get some bread? Hey, can you heal this person? And that if we don't, we're like, like this misbehaved child that doesn't get the, the lollipop that they want. He withdraws himself. And I kind of wonder how much God would even, in a sense, withdraw just a little bit and see if we're really going after him. We had a week of prayer and fasting. Hopefully that week of prayer and fasting last week is not going to be the only time that you're consecrating unto the Lord, the only time that you're seeking the Lord. A lot of times at the beginning of the year, just like in the... In the gyms, you know, the, all the membership goes up January, New Year's resolution. Of course, I'm going to go to the gym. Of course, I'm going to read my Bible. You get going strong for a week, and then, and then all of a sudden it seems like it gets a little bit dry, and it's just like the God, the great, the great presence, you know, God, did he withdraw? Maybe he did so that he'll see if you'll really go after him again. Really go after him. Just kind of, he almost, almost, I remember Pastor Jim LaFoon years ago preached a message about, God playing hide and seek. He'll show himself for a moment. You'll see him, and then all of a sudden, God will be maybe silent. You'll have to walk by faith. You know, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I still won't fear any evil because I know that you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they will, you know, comfort me. Jesus, we want you to be our king. Of course you should be our king. You can, you can heal the sick. You can provide all this food. You're the one. You're, the, you're going to be the David that's going to, you're going to be the Moses, the Gideon, the Samson. You're going to be that military leader that's going to get rid of all our external problems. And he just withdraws. And then later, you know, he walks on the water in this chapter, and then he makes a statement. He says, I am the bread of life. And this is, this is the first of, Seven different I am statements of Jesus. We looked at that last year when we talked about the I am. I am the bread of life. And of course, at that one, he did, he did the miracle, you know, feeding the, the 5,000. I am the light of the world. And he heals a man born blind. I'm the resurrection and the life. And he raises Lazarus. You know, he makes these statements of who he is. 
I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I think three out of the seven, he did a miracle to confirm it. I am the bread of life. What else does Jesus do? Who else is he? He gives his flesh. He gives his body. He gives himself as that. And what, what should we do then? Let's get back into the word in this chapter. John chapter 6, 35. What should we do? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And you know that life, it's not just, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But while I'm here, it's just going to be all miserable. But I, I believe, and Pastor David probably, he's studied this a whole lot more than I am. I'm sure of it. But that word, that zoe life, the eternal life of God is eternal, everlasting, never ending in time. But I think it's also eternal, abundant. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Not that you would be, you know, always just sad and just barely hanging on and, and, and just deprived because I didn't get the worldly things that, I, that I'd like to have. I was with Pastor JT yesterday and I saw this yellow Corvette. And it's like ever since I was a kid, I've wanted one of these yellow Corvettes. You know, it's just like, it's just like I've, I've, I just got to admit it, you know, just kind of lusted after that, you know. And, and then I really start to think, you know, it's like, like Dave Ramsey says, all of a sudden you're spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't even know. And I really think about it, what am I going to do with that yellow Corvette? You know, do I really need that? Am I really going to be happy with that? Or am I going to need something else after that? You know, is it the power? But, you know, an engine, vroom, vroom, you know, is it, is it that? But I think, you know, if it's the power, you know, why can't we connect to God and have all power, all power and all authority has been given to Jesus? He told us to go to make disciples. Why can't we walk in that power? I've given you power over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Why can't we walk in that power instead of this cheap imitation that the world would try to give to us? Why are we trying to impress other people with something when we should really be trying to impress and trying to honor God? Anyway, I'm getting off here. John chapter 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's, that's what it was. I'm the bread of life. It's that zoe. It's not just when you die, you'll go to heaven. Yes, that is true. But also, I believe the eternal, everlasting, the, the unlimited life of God that would be with us here and now. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let it be as it is in heaven. Let it come into my life. That joy, not the happiness that, you know, if the Titans win, I'll be happy. If they don't win, I won't be happy. If I win the lottery, I'll be happy. If you look at the people that have won the lottery 5, 10, 15 years later, they're worse off than they were before. It's really not going to make you any better. But the life of God that would be with us. See, I've come that you might have life. Have it more abundantly. Amen. So what should we do? You know, if you go down to verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever forever. 
And the bread that I will give him for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, if you look at those two verses together where he says he's the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. If I got that, you know, if I got that Corvette, I'd probably be hungering after something else after that. I'd be thirsting. How much is it really going to take? Which car, which house, which computer, which, which fame, which award? How many Super Bowl rings does it take before you're really going to be happy? Somebody else going to come along and break that record someday. In eternity, 10,000 years from now, will it really matter? That delay of game penalty that everybody got so uptight about. Will that really matter 10,000 years from now? Having won that game, having lost that, having made that catch, having, you know, that award, having that. You're always just going to need just a little bit more. But when somebody comes, these are the, these are the three things that we, I, th I think I see here. What we need to do, first of all, we need to come to Jesus. Can you come to Jesus? How do we come to Jesus? We come to Jesus through prayer. We come to Jesus through, through reading his word. We come to Jesus by being you that are here, you that are watching online. If you're watching online, if you're here, you are in a sense coming to Jesus by coming to his people. And it would be something that we would continue to do and continue to do. If we believe in him, trust in him, if we eat of the word, eat of the word. LJ was talking that she's walked with the Lord for about 20 years. By the grace of God, the Lord has sustained me for over 40. He has sustained me. Out of those 40 years, I've, I've been able to somehow hear the voice of the Lord when he says, come and eat and walk with him. I remember one time, I'm from Minnesota, and I, I was working at this woodworking factory. I had to be at the job at 6.30 in the morning. And it would be either a bus ride on like the public transportation, or I could walk. It would take me about 15, 20 minutes to walk. I don't know if I was just crazy or stupid or just hungry for God. And I don't know if you've ever seen these little Gideon New Testament Bibles. Ever seen those? My dad used to give those out at the county fair. He'd, he'd have his little Gideon stand. He worked with the Gideons. He had this Gideon stand, and there'd be the other, I don't know, the water filtration stand and the vacation, you know, all these different people. And you got to be a little bit aggressive. So he'd tell people, hey, did you get your GPS? And they'd look at him like, who's this old man, GPS? What you talking about, GPS? And if you look twice, he's got gotcha. you. You look back, you're walking by and you look back. Did you get your GPS? And you look at God's plan of salvation. Here you go, take a testament. And he'd hand out testaments. I got one of those testaments when I was working at this woodworking factory. And I don't know if like I, you know, walking in the streets, I don't know if I was just stupid or whatever. I just kind of knew how to do it, just walk. And I could walk and read the Bible. I'm walking to work. I'm reading the Bible. Hungry for God. 
Are you hungry for God? You do that kind of stuff? I remember I might be the only one old enough to remember this, this advertising campaign that McDonald's had back in the day. It was, it was a Big Mac attack. And so, so, they would, so they'd have these different scenes where they're out playing football or baseball, whatever, and all of a sudden somebody would get hit like a lightning bolt, a Big Mac attack, and they'd just drop everything and have to go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac. Somebody else would be doing something else, and they'd have this light bolt, lightning bolt kind of, you know, Big Mac attack, and they'd just drop everything, go get a Big Mac. I wonder if the Lord wouldn't do that with us and we'd have a word attack. Just put that social media down, and all of a sudden, you just, I just got to get in the Word here a little bit. You're watching whatever you're watching, you're doing what, just a minute, I just, I just got to get in the Word here a little bit. And now, you know, you don't have to have the, you know, the Gideon's New Testament. You, you gotta, we got it on our phones if you want to, but, you know, can you hear the voice of the Lord saying, come away and be with me? I think he spread out a just a great banquet for us in the Word. It might not be all the, you know, lights and whistles and all the, the signs that people are looking for in the show of the temporal, but it's the richness that will really leave you with something. If you, if you come to me, if you believe in me, if you eat of this, what are you eating you know, our soul is going to eat something, whether it's social media, whether it's the news, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, whether it's just one more accolade. How much is going to be enough? But you're always going to be hungry just for a little bit more. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never thirst, never be hungry. Can we hear the voice of the Lord as he invites us to the richness of that banquet. Lord, I thank you for even that invitation. God, I thank you that you have called us into a holy calling, first of all, to be with you, even as you called your disciples, first of all, to be with you and then to send them out to preach. God, I pray for all those even watching online, for those that are here, God, that we might be able to hear your voice Answer your call, the highest call to be with you. Lord, I pray that your grace, God, would be extended, that your hand would be upon us. And I do thank you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus.